ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಚಿಮಿರಂಧಸ್ಯಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಕಾಯ questions for ti2 interview it's i don't know some magazine or something like that so uh, the first question is maharaj please tell us about yourself uh, i don't really like to talk about myself very much I mean I be I had a before coming to the Lotus Feet of Srila Prabhupada I I like to speak about myself <laughs> about having come in contact with Srila Prabhupada I find it much more appropriate to speak about him and about pure devotees on his level and about krishna the supreme personality of godhead uh despite sitting here on a big seat uh fortunately i'm still understand that uh you know i'm a, a extremely insignificant in in relationship to the great acharyas and uh it's it's actually quite distasteful when you see like all these all these people like film stars and rock stars and they're just so uh what's this word narcissistic just absorbed in themselves and enjoying all the fame of fans and glorifying them So anyway the next question is uh, how did you come to Krishna consciousness and what prompted you to devote your life to Srila Prabhupada's movement So I may speak about that briefly if it uh if in any way it helps to inspire others to uh come to Krishna consciousness I was uh allowed to join this movement at age 18. Uh having gone through a period of uh deep discontent seeing my life ahead of me and seeing nothing in the world that i wanted to do 
all the alternatives of things that I could do when I leave this miserable school look to be equally, if not more, miserable. So, to make a long story short, I thought that uh, anyway I should try to find out what's the best thing I can do with my life and not just follow the masses who don't even think about what they're doing. They just do what everyone else expects them to do. Uh, and I thought, what's the best thing to do? And I thought, maybe social work, but somehow that didn't very much appeal to me. So then I thought, well, the best thing would be to dedicate oneself to God. But I didn't find uh, Christianity very inspiring, to say the least. So anyway, basically I was completely confused. And I thought that, well, if I could, I knew I needed some guidance. I wasn't going anywhere by myself. I, I thought that if I could f find someone or some people who are actually leading a pure life in the service of God, that uh, I should join that. But I didn't believe that any such people existed in this world today. Anyway, uh, amidst all this... Uh, confusion, I, uh, by the grace of Srila Prabhupada, got a copy of Krishna Book Volume 2. That was Volume 2 of a three-volume set. And uh, so I thought, well, I, it wasn't that I was convinced on the spot, but it, I, I thought, well, this is... Uh... Oh, another important thing is that I thought that uh, anything, any authentic spiritual practice, it's not going to be something that someone dreamed up three years ago. We would expect that to be an ancient tradition. So, uh, yeah, after reading this Krishna book, I thought, well, yeah, well, this is from an ancient tradition. It, uh, 
it speaks of God. Because I already hated that idea of just this idea of just merging into some oneness. I thought it was completely <coughs> disgusting. <laughs> And uh, reincarnation, which I also worked out, I guess you could say, is uh, must be a fact. This idea that God just creates you, and if you if you don't get it right in one life, He chucks you into hell and burns you forever. It just it didn't seem. You know, if you consider that God's the most kind and the most intelligent, it, it's just like it's completely out of character for for what God should be, that he, he just burns you in hell forever. So reincarnation or the or getting many chances just uh, it, it seemed to be to me to be completely obvious. And whatever yeah, whatever very little I knew about the Hare Krishna movement at that time, I knew they were vegetarian. Because uh, even though I was born in a good British beef eater family, uh, I I become a vegetarian, and I you know I wasn't much interested in any tradition that talked about God and just ate bloody beefsteaks. So anyway, I thought I should go and check out the Hare Krishnas. I didn't think that they'd actually be very bona fide because I didn't think anyway. I didn't think anyone in this world was very bona fide. Uh, Anyway, I went and I saw that the devotees are actually leading a very a pure life, fully centered on service to God. And they actually knew who he was. What a relief. They actually knew who God is. And uh, they they followed uh, an ancient tradition based on scripture. In, in other words, it's it's revealed knowledge. It's not someone something that someone made up at some point in time. And they're able to answer my questions, which uh, the other supposedly theistic traditions. 
were not able to do. So I thought, well, I, I'm not going to do better than this. So then I'm, I'm obliged to join. So I did. Then next question. What is your basic philosophy? I don't have a philosophy. <laughs> it's useless having a philosophy. The world doesn't run on according to what we think. Today I have one philosophy, the next day I have another philosophy. So now the whole world has to change because I changed my philosophy. Reality doesn't adjust itself to what I think. So, uh, instead of asking what is someone's philosophy, we should try to understand what is the nature of reality. The very idea, I have my philosophy, is, uh, shows that one is totally ignorant. So let us try to understand what is reality. Different people may have their different uh, perspectives or perceptions or ideas about what reality is. But it doesn't make the slightest bit of difference to what the actual nature of reality is. What is this? Now, someone may think that this is uh, a cow in disguise. Someone else may think that it's a, a pen which someone... they scrunched it in their hand and made it into this object here. I, I, if you use your imagination a bit, you could think of various theories about what this is. But actually, it is a... What is it anyway? What's it called? A recorder come playback device? So what it is doesn't change because of what people think it is. Therefore, atato brahma jignyasa. Now we should inquire into the nature of reality. What is the nature of reality? We should try to understand it. So that's a very big subject. 
bigger than we can possibly understand by ourselves. The nature of reality the, or the, the, uh, is, is far greater than we can deduce using our uh, limited senses, limited intelligence, sitting on this blob of matter somewhere in a vast universe. Uh, so the very idea that we, little, tiny little creatures, with our, ti- with our extremely limited sensory powers and our extremely limited intelligence, shall uh, declare the nature of reality is heroic, foolishness and pride. The only way that we can understand what the nature of reality is, is if that reality reveals himself to us. We are all dependent beings. What is the uh, ultimate source of... uh, what, What do we ultimately depend on? What is the ultimate principle behind everything? So that, again, we have to come to Scripture. That Scripture means that which is revealed by God about himself. So in brief, we're all eternal, spiritual, living beings. Eternal, uh, sorry, spiritual means that by nature we are eternal, we are individual, we are conscious, <coughs> and we are by nature blissful. Obviously, uh, at the present time, we are in a situation where we are suffering death, we are, we are forced to suffer death, therefore we are not in our spiritual position. We are not blissful, we are suffering in so many ways. So spiritual life means to come to that position 
where we are not subject to death and we're not subject to suffering. We are controlled living beings. We have minute independence, but we are limited in as much as we cannot choose where we are born, we cannot choose uh, what our future will be. So to admit our dependence on, upon, a, upon a higher uh, pr principle, we are controlled, that is intelligence. So that higher principle is the uh, Supreme Person. I'm not going to go through all the philosophical understanding of Krishna consciousness now, but we can understand that. We are controlled by the Supreme Person. Who fortunately for us is not a horrendously malicious despot. as is imagined by some people who uh, seem to take their greatest pleasure is in informing people that they're going to burn in hell forever. But God, for want of a better word, God being probably the most misused word in any language, is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. He's the Supreme Truth. Uh, he's all auspicious uh, and all beautiful. Everything about him is beautiful. And his name is Krishna. So our philosophy is to recognize, the first thing is to recognize our position of dependence on subordination to Krishna, who is actually our, our well-wisher. And thus come to our position beyond birth and death in eternal blissful service to Krishna. How do I see my... The next question. How do you see your own role in propagating it, it meaning the philosophy, in the world? Speaking, writing...
singing. We're all very small living beings. There have been many great, powerful spiritual personalities before us and will be after us also. We should just do the, the right things, the proper things in the service of Krishna. Our role is that of servant. So we should try to serve Krishna to the best of our capacity. To the best of our capacity, try to uh, inform others and convince others about Krishna consciousness. There is a worldwide Krishna consciousness movement. And everyone has their role in uh, propagating this understanding of Krishna consciousness. What's the time? Five to eight. Okay, I'll go on. So the next question. Many spiritually minded people in the West today believe that religions and their associated stories are symbolic of some deeper truth but not objectively real. Is Krishna a symbol or an actual person? That's, uh, this one Well, it's not only in the West that people think like that. Is Krishna a symbol or an actual person? Krishna is the actual person. Whatever personality, whatever, whatever, there are so many other persons, but the person par excellence, is Krishna. Those who think that Krishna is just a symbol of any, something else are envious of Krishna. If you think that behind every religion... It's just all symbolic of some deeper truth. What is that deeper truth? And then they'll say, well, it's, you know, you just can't explain it. You can't describe it. This is nonsense. 
You can't explain it, you can't define it, you can't think of it. This is the foolish idea that, sp that spirit means negation only. This is a mislogic, illogic. Allah. Paralogic. There's a term for that. Paralogic. Everything, okay, well, everything material has form. So then we conclude that everything, that which is spiritual has no form. Sounds very logical, but it's wrong. Because uh, this, what is material is a perverted reflection of that which is ultimately real. That which is spiritual is not nothingness, but it is uh, somethingness. It does not mean negation, but fulfillment. The Krishna is the Supreme Person. Persons who have no information of the spiritual personality of Krishna deny that anything spiritual can be personal. But this uh, widespread but wholly errant philosophy or so-called philosophy, is full of contradictions at every step. And, of course, contradictions are not... It's not that everything that is contradictory is wrong or bad, but, I mean, these are contradictions which uh, <coughs> totally undermine the... the uh, philosophical basis of this idea that the ultimate reality is just something something, nothing, indefinable just like for instance the idea that to become liberated from this world, I'm just giving one of the propositions of these impersonalistic school. So this a, a common proposition or standard proposition of this school is that to become liberated from this material world, one has to become free from desire. But how can you even try to get free from desire 
unless you have a desire to become free from desire. So it's an impossible conundrum. So the actual point is that we should, we have to, pu- as living beings, desire is wholly concomitant with our nature. And to deny desire is to deny our actual nature. It is not possible to become free from desire. So instead of trying to do the impossible, which is to become free from desire, the actual spiritual life means to purify our desire. Which again means we have to understand the actual nature of the spiritual. It is our natural propensity to love. But in this material world, love causes material, what is called love causes attachment, which causes bondage to this material world. Love of Krishna means love of the supreme spiritual person who is beyond the uh, inebrities, Prabhupada used to use this word, beyond the uh, imperfections of this material world. So the desire to love Krishna liberates us from this material world. The desire to become free from desire is just like the dog trying to catch his tail. He just goes round and round in circles. It's an impossible uh, task to execute. Uh, I'm not taking questions. Yeah, but I'm just talking general principles here. Otherwise, we'll go off in so many different... uh, I mean, these are all basic points. You should read Srila Prabhupada's books. I can take more... I have a whole bunch of questions. Any more questions, I'll come to later. In fact, I think I'll stop right there now and continue with all this later. Krishna willing. Because we don't know if we'll all be here in one second from now even. You never know. 
Nishvaso naiva vishvaso kadarudho bhavishyati. When we breathe in, we can't be sure that we're going to breathe out. At any time, our breath could be stopped. So, uh, if Krishna so desires, I may continue to speak on these topics tomorrow. Hare Krishna. Tomorrow is Ekadashi, just in case you didn't know. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jaya Hare Krishna.